is episode number two, Steel Reflections. My podcast, I'm Jim Steele. Uh, first episode, we had my son on there. I had my son on there talking about hunting and everything and doing duck calls. I thought that was pretty cool, but I want to talk a little about training today. I uh, I got some questions, so I'm going to do a little question and answer thing, um, and we'll see how this goes. So the first question I got was, um, I'm training this kid who I actually helped coach in college, and uh, he's not a kid anymore. He's 38, and one of his questions was, why is he stronger now than he's ever been? And I can really, you know, I've, I've seen so, this happen with so many people. Um, it's the first time he's ever really paid attention to his nutrition. It's the first time, you know, patting myself on the back, that he's had proper um, programming that actually takes into account recovery that take, you know, where I push him and back him off and push him and back him off. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and that, and his techniques better, you know, all this stuff is culminating in him being a better lifter and being stronger. Um, you know, he's got a full-time job, he's got kids and all this stuff, but you know, he gets up at 5 AM and, and does his training, but it's, uh, you know, number one, it's a priority. Number two, um, you know, he's got proper programming. Number three is nutrition and, and recovery. He's more aware of that stuff. You know, when you're in college now, now playing football, it's very, very hard to get super strong in your lower body. I mean, I've had kids, you know, squat over 600, but um, the really good players, the really good kids that go all out all the time like this kid was, you know, there was, I mean, I think he squatted five, five something, whatever, when he was in, in college, but it was a struggle because of all the other work that, that he had to do with the running and the practicing, and, you know, just being a big guy and standing on your feet for two hours, two, three hours a day. So, and, and schoolwork too. So uh, I think it's a culmination of a lot of those things now being done correctly, as far as, you know, what I talked about a minute ago um, and being more aware of that kind of stuff too. Uh, next question is what makes a quality coach? I'm, I'm going to just, I could say strength coach, I could say football coach, I could say any kind of coach. And, you know, I think the number one thing to do or the number one thing to achieve as a coach is to build relationships with your athletes. Get your athletes to trust you. Get your athletes to, uh, you know, come to you. They, they want to come to you when they have problems. Um, you know, I had a lot of kids who used to come to me about problems. It wasn't usually like relationship stuff. It was Hey coach, you know, I'm, I'm feeling real depressed and, uh, you know, I've had, well, there's long stories about depression and things like that, but, you know, a lot of it had to do with playing time and why, why, why they're not playing. Now, as a strength coach, at the time when kids would come, you know, I don't have anything to hold over their heads. I don't have playing time over their heads and I never, ever would break their confidence by talking to the coach about, you know, Johnny's wondering why he's not playing and Johnny doesn't like coach X and Johnny doesn't like coach Y and all this stuff. You know, I think that in that situation, you know, when a kid comes to you like that, they just want somebody to talk to and have an experience with playing and coaching. I could give them some advice. We had one kid who was, you know, just didn't know why he wasn't playing, just didn't know why he was a starter as a freshman, got hurt. Um, and then when he came back as a sophomore, he wasn't setting foot on the field. And uh, I said, well, you got a choice. And, you know, I, I hate the, the coach and all that stuff. 
I said, you got a choice. You can sit here and talk to me about it and then quit, or you can go up there and sit down with the coach eye-to-eye, man-to-man, without anybody else around, and say, Coach, you know, what are the issues and how can I get better? And the coach actually said, dude, I forgot to get you in the last game. And the second game, you know, like the situation wasn't right or whatever. He said, you're going to play this game. Didn't play at all. But, uh, you know, he, he then after that, he became a starter and like this coach's favorite. So it was a very strange situation. But when he went up there in that office, he sat down with him. He's, you know, he said he forgot about him, but he also said, you know, you can work on this and this, but I think you're a great kid. And, um, you know, it sort of gave the kid some relief, even though he didn't play in the next game, um, of, oh, this guy doesn't hate me. You know, this, this guy just has a lot on his mind and now he's aware of me and, and I got a couple of things I can work on. And, and it started a relationship, um, you know, with that kid and the coach. So that's just one example, um, as far as that goes, uh, you know, a quality coach with this, you know, so. That coach definitely, you know, he didn't have this huge amount of or huge relationship with his kids, and they didn't quite trust him and all that. But after that, it got a little better. Now they had a relationship, and and this kid trusted him. So, um, you know, I think you have to be knowledgeable. Um, I think you have to be knowledgeable, but you also also have to be able to say, I have no idea what that answer is. Let me check, and I'll get back to you. You know, I mean, if you came up to me and I was coaching and said, um, you know tell me, you know, explain the sliding filament theory. I can give you the roundabout, you know, or the, uh, you know, not the definitive definition of it. I'd have to go get my strain and conditioning book and say, okay, here's what happens. Here's why it happens. Um, all that stuff. So, uh, or an anatomy question, but you know, you, you, you know, if a kid asks you, Hey, why are we doing power cleans? I think you should have the answer to that, you know, and you never want to try to try to fool a kid, man. You never want to say, you know, you never want to make something up, and then it makes you look really stupid. And you never want to act like a know-it-all or belittle the kid. So sometimes coaches will just start yelling, well, why are you asking me that stupid question? Well, you don't know the answer. You don't know the answer, so now you're acting like, you know, you're all pissed off about something. But, you know, it's really just because you don't have the knowledge. You're better off saying, you know, I don't know the answer. Or here's the answer because I know the answer. Um you know, I just, I just never believed in coaches just being dicks just to be jerks, you know. Um, you know, I mean, I've been in staff meetings, football staff meetings, where the head coach or the coordinator will say, all right, all the players are doing nothing right today. Meaning this is going to be a bitch practice, and no matter what anybody does, whether it's a diving catch in the end zone, find something wrong with it. You know, we need one of those days, well, that's a bunch of bullshit, man. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that at all. Just be honest with everybody on the field. You did great. You did poorly. Um, you know, another thing that makes a, a really good coach is you got to talk to the person in the room who's having the most trouble. You know, I, I really believe that was me. <laughs> most trouble understanding stuff. So, you know, if you explained the drill to me, it took me forever to understand the drill. I just didn't. My brain doesn't work that way. Once I did it, once I really did it, once I did it over and over again, then I understood it, um, you know, then I was good to go. But, you know, I always felt like everybody was getting everything. It was like math class. Everybody was getting everything and I wasn't getting anything. You know, you feel really stupid. So I remember that feeling. So I'm always looking for the kid, you know, who sort of has that quizzical look on his face. And then when you say, you understand what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But you just know he doesn't know, he doesn't understand what you're talking about. 
Um, so I think you have to break stuff down. Even if there's kids like shuffling their feet because they already get it, screw them. You got to coach those kids who don't get it at all. And it's really, um, I think that's really important is coach to the kid in the room or the kids in the room who, who don't get it, you know? Um, so I think those are some qualities of a good coach. Um, knowledge is important, but I really believe relationships and trust are, are the number one thing. And also, I never did understand coaches who just look like crap, never lifted, um, let themselves go so much. I don't know why that became okay. Um, you know, you got Bill Parcells and Andy Reid and those guys who got really big, but not like muscular, badass big, just, you know, really heavy and, and I don't know, man, it'd be really tough for me to respect a coach, and I've had them, who were, who didn't have respect for themselves. You know what I mean? Just, I don't know, I think a coach should lead by example, um, you know, especially when it comes to uh, physical conditioning. I, I, I never wanted a kid to say, man, he, what's he know? Hey, look, at, look at him. Because a lot of stuff is your appearance, no matter what anybody says or, uh, you know, it's this or it's that. Yeah, okay, I'm a strength coach. I'm supposed to look like I lift freaking weights. If you have a strength coach uh, who doesn't lift weights, I, I would I would not listen to that strength coach <laughs> and and lift some decent amounts of weights or done it in the past. But if you got a guy who's, you know, squatting with 135 and it's kicking his ass and, he, and he's this, supposed to be the strength coach, I don't know, man. I couldn't respect him. I couldn't respect him. And I... When I played football, I used to look up the, the coaches' biographies, and if they didn't play at a higher level or at least the level I was playing on, man, I got none. I had nothing to do with them. I just, you know, that, that was probably stupid in my part, but that's just the way I was wired and, and still am wired when it comes to strength coaches. Like, do you even lift, man? I want you to get your ass in the weight room. You can already tell these kids to do 10 sets of five at 80%, and your 80% is, uh, you know, 115 pounds. So, um, better get strong and, and, and start to set an example. Um, another question was, how do you maintain motivation? So I'm 51, going to be 52 next month. Ugh. And uh, I've been lifting weights since 1979. Motivation is um, important. I think discipline is more important. So motivation to me is like, I'm just super fired up. I just watched, you know, Lawrence Taylor highlight film and I'm going out there and running hills and, and pretending I'm Lawrence Taylor. And well, that wanes after a while, but knowing that you have to get to the workout, no matter what, um, whether you like it or not, whether you feel like it or not, because the end result is so great. Um, you know, being able to do that, knowing that you have to do that no matter what, because it's the end result. I think that's important. I think, I think it's, it's the discipline of that and it's the feeling of oh okay I, I remembered uh, I, okay I really don't want to be here today um, and I use the Jocko Willink thing all the time Willink saying all the time where he says if your mind is being weak and says don't and is saying don't uh, don't work out today I don't feel like working out today just tell it it doesn't get a vote and my body's going to go work out just go grab the weights and start lifting and eventually that sweat will break and you'll be good to go and sometimes during the workout, it may not break. You may feel like shit the whole workout, but guess what? You'll feel better after. And even if you don't feel better after, you'll be glad you didn't miss a workout. I'm not real big on people, you know, lifting and stuff with a fever. 
But if you anything else wrong with you, you can do it. Knee surgery, upper body records. Um, you know, upper body, elbow surgery, lower body records, that kind of stuff. You always can find a way to make going to to get to the gym, and you can always find a way to find some goals in the gym too. Um, so goals are important too. So if you if if you're a power lifter or just a recreational lifter who wants to get stronger. You gotta set those goals. Now I see all these books out about don't set goals and this and that. Just enjoy the experience. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously they never try to squat a thousand pounds or eight hundred pounds or seven hundred pounds because it's not enjoyable. You know, it's not enjoyable. You can't look off into the clouds while you got you know six fifty on your back. And you're gonna do a triple with it. It's not. That's not the way it works, man. Um, so. I think goals are important. I'll set, you know, set that goal. I want to squat 800 pounds. I want to squat 800 pounds. And you don't care, you know, how it feels because you have this end result that you know you want to get to. Um, so I think goals are important. I think the discipline of it. Motivation is, is definitely something. So let's say you do have a couple down days. You still go to the gym. You still do what you're supposed to do. But maybe buying that DVD or watching that movie or reading that book or, hell, man, I drove down and, with my staff. When I was coaching in college and we hung around with Kevin LeBron, just watched him bench press 405 for sets of six and incline for 365. And, dude, I was so fired up when I left there. Now, that lasts a couple weeks. And then, you know, you can find something else and find something else. But even if you don't, you got the discipline to go anyway. It's just a habit and it's discipline. And you need to get it done. Um, what about supplements? Man, I never know if supplements work. I take CBD oil. Um, I take it religiously. I've been taking it since last summer. The reason why I started taking it was because I blew a disc in my neck, and I called an MD friend of mine. I said, well, I'll take ibuprofen or whatever. And he said, man, if you can find some CBD oil, it's a miracle. Just so happened where I was, there was a big strip mall that said CBD oil. Walked in there and got the strongest thing they had and took, you know, 20 times the recommended dosage. It was the first time in two weeks I'd slept through the night after I started taking that. So I became a big believer real fast. Um, so I take CBD. It's like 60 megs a day, between 40 and 60. Um, fish oil, 3,000 megs a day. Vitamin D, 1,000 to 3,000, depending on what my doctor tells me to do as far as my blood, uh, my bloods go. Um, I take a post-workout drink from Animal once in a while, Torrent. Uh, if I don't if I'm not freaking really, really sweaty and I just did biceps or something, I'm, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't deserve it. Um, and whey protein more when I'm dieting and I make it into a pudding, put just a very little water in it. But when I, if I'm not dieting, I'm not, you know, shake doesn't do anything. It's in and out right away. You know, it just, it doesn't fill me up. It's in and out of your stomach so fast that there's no, uh, you know, feeling of satisfaction in it. But I do have some whey. Um, Creatine definitely works. I took creatine. I remember the first time I took creatine, the, the weight felt lighter on my back. The, you know, the weights were moving fast, and I wasn't eating a lot of red meat at the time. So they, when I talked to some people, they were like, well, you know, there's creatine in red meat, so your body's reacting like crazy to it because you didn't have been eating chicken, which was a long time ago. You guys got to understand in the, in the 80s and 90s, everybody ate chicken, rice, white potatoes, pasta, and didn't eat any fat. So that's what we were all eating. Even, you know, it was just pervaded for pervaded all through athletics. Um, now we're getting a little smarter with added fats and things like that. But uh, 
anyway, that's pretty much the supplement stuff. Not, nothing, nothing earth shattering. I do like pre-workout stuff. I still haven't found one that uh, replicates the old Rip Fuel, which is the pure Fedra stuff, or the Trucker Speed. I used to go to truck stops and buy Trucker Speed while I was uh, powerlifting, and just ooh man, that stuff will get you going. I'd be cramping up. My fingers would be sticking together, cramped up. But, um, you know, <laughs> that'll be, that'll give you some motivation right away when that stuff kicks in. But, uh, yeah, I guess it's, I don't think it's dangerous, per se. I just think people are stupid with it, and that's, you know, they took it off the market because it was probably big pharmaceuticals or some shit. But, anyway, the um, the pre-workouts now, I don't like the beta alanine. makes my head crawl. I don't like that feeling. I usually just take a caffeine tab. Um and then I'll take C4 once in a while, but I still don't like the way the way it makes me feel. But just for a little extra kick sometimes. Uh, best gym I ever lifted at, or best gyms? Well, I'm, I'm at a pretty good gym right now. It's uh, Attila's Gym in New Jersey, Belmar, New Jersey. The owner is I've known this guy for like thirty now for like twenty years because I used to go to his supplement shop um, years ago and buy. Uh, metrics and stuff like that for the basketball team when I was coaching at Penn. And I walked in and he's the new owner of this gym. I was just, I had a leg day at my other gym and I was cussing a little bit and I don't think some people liked it and I was like, screw this place. So this place, Attila's, is actually a hardcore gym. There's professional bodybuilders work work out there. There's uh, guys that are doing strongman stuff and nobody freaks out if you sweat on the floor a little bit or you say fuck, you know. Um, so I like that gym. Now, there used to be a gym in Beltsville, Maryland. I loved, man. It was called Ironworks. The owner, Neil, used to be a thrower at the University of Florida. And, uh, man, he let you throw the, he let you drop the dumbbells and all the stuff. Um, and he, and he, you know, he had a heavy bag in there. And he, had, he, he built everything himself. It wasn't a bunch of machines, but nobody had machines back then. Um, so, so it was, you know, just hardcore, big weights. And it was in an industrial park, so you used to open up the, you know, the big doors, the garage doors, sliding doors. Um, it was just a great atmosphere. It was never really crowded because it was so big. Um, and Neil, Neil sort of set the pace, you know, for the place. He'd bring in his Rottweiler, and uh, he didn't have a lot of patience for people that didn't work hard. So my buddy Chris and I used to go in there and swing some iron around. Um, that was a great gym. And then uh, Maryland Athletic Club was right down the road from that literally five minutes it was in this tiny little strip mall and that's where Kirk Kowalski and Marty Gallagher and all those guys trained and I once Ironwork shut down I went over there I was like I didn't even know this place existed and uh, that was a very hardcore gym I mean really hardcore um, so those two gyms I would say yeah I would say those two gyms um, and how do you get your foot in the door as a coach you know, I don't really know how it's done now. I'll tell you what I did. I, I guess I do know how it's done now because I, I was just coaching in college last year. And you got to intern. You got to volunteer. You just got to say, I'll do anything to be a coach. And whether you're working for a jerk or a cool dude like me, you, you just got to just, you know, if you're told to take the trash out, you take the trash out. But meanwhile, you're sitting there taking notes. So I would have interns come in and never take a note. Never sit down with me. Oh, I'm I'm scared to sit down with them or something stupid like that. Um, act like they or the worst is when interns go in there and act like they know what they're talking about. I've had kids. Oh, what Coach Steele says is wrong, or what this coach says is wrong. <laughs> this 
this kid never coached a day in his life. You know, the what what um well, that's off on a tangent a little bit, but how to get your foot in the door is by you, you gotta volunteer, you gotta intern, um, you gotta do whatever you need to do just to get in there and you gotta go to a lot of different places. I probably went to five or six different places, high schools, colleges, um, get a lot of different places on your resume. And to very few people they have one job and then they get a really good job. There's some. Um, but uh it's pretty unusual. So you got to do that. And, and when you get there, man, just just shut up about everything. Nobody cares what you know or what you think you know. Just listen. Just listen and take notes. Um, and don't expect to be make a lot of money. So I've had kids <clears throat> come to intern and then talk about salary or whatever. And what? That's what you make? And I'm like, yeah, well, that's, that's what everybody in the conference makes. Um, Actually, I think I was the lowest paid, but you know, it's it's in a range. They're they're close to each other, decently close. But it's, it's like, yeah, oh, you're not doing this for the money, dude. <laughs> this is not a job where you're going to get rich. I went broke, coach. You don't make any money. I mean, unless you're my boy Fitzgerald at Tennessee, making you know six hundred something thousand. But he definitely paid his dues too. Um. So yeah, got to be an intern. Got to volunteer. Um. What else? Oh, how the the how has strength coach or strength conditioning changed since? Gee, since I started. Well, I think it's the influx of people who don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, especially administrators. I know I was at this one university. I had two administrators above me. They were weak as kittens, left on the side of the road <laughs> with a vulture picking at their chest. Um, they never lifted weights in, in their lives. They had all these ideas about stuff, and all of them were stupid and were harmful for the kids, you know. So you got a lot of that now. You got a lot of opinions. It used to be the old days. Nobody even talked to the strength coach, man, just the coaches. But the coaches would come in, leave the team with them, with the strength coach, and head on out, which is fine with me. Um, and now it's, uh, hey, did you see this video? Did you see this program? Did You, you know, I've had coaches come in and go, I this team won the national championship last year, so I don't want to lift weights. They don't lift weights. They just do body weight stuff. You know, my point was always, well, you know, that's not the best thing to do as far as injury prevention because that's what everybody responds to, especially with the female athletes and the ACLs. Um, but, you know, you, you also got to – that was the one thing that could give us an advantage over the teams that didn't lift weights. We're going to be faster. We're going to be stronger. We're going to last longer, you know, when you lift weights and when you do it the proper way. Versus somebody who doesn't. Wow, that's I should have said. Wow, that's great. We'll beat their ass, you know. Um, and it's just the influx of all this different types of training, and it's all a bunch of crap. Like, who's doing kettlebells now? Nobody. It was the biggest thing in the world. And I'm not, I'm not against kettlebells. The swing will screw your back up if you're not careful. But you know, it's a tool in the toolbox. It ain't nothing else than that. It's it's nothing more than that. Um, it's great for on the road workouts and stuff like that, but man, you can find a gym. Um, you know, and you got, you know, the one thing I always like chains bands are okay, but chains I thought were great. But that's not new, man. You know, people were using chains, you know, 50 years ago out in California. So that's nothing new, but I think, you know, you got the yoga thing going on, which, you know, these kids, you know, unless they're so inflexible that they can't get down their stance or do something on the court you need them to do, then then you can stretch. But you got to do it a really long time. Um, but if, if none of that stuff is happening as far as being able to get into a position you need to, what are you stretching for? 
Just warm up. What are you stretching for? Show me the research that says that that's going to prevent injuries. It doesn't. My son's little league team had a coach say that the other day. No, no, it was actually high school. High school coach or gym teacher or whatever saying that. It's just not true. Um, you know, just get a good warm up. And if you're going to squat, squat the bar for 20, squat 135 for 20, squat, you know, get your body ready for the movement that you're getting ready to do. And if you're going to play a sport, then do your dynamic mobility stuff and then pick up the intensity slowly. But eventually, towards the end of the warm up, that thing should be pretty much full speed and get them ready to go. Um, you know, there's more money involved now in the strength and conditioning. It never filtered down to me or my staff. But um, so there's a lot more pressure. There's a lot more specialty coaches. We got to, you know, that always cracks me up. Speed and agility. Speed and agility coordinator. You get those those guys on. Oh, oh, he's better off. He's better at setting cones out than I am, I guess. But um, you know, it's just it's just all that stuff is show. All that stuff is show. You know, you got somebody who you got a coach who's like. We need to specialize. We need to specialize. So I named somebody's speed and agility coordinator. That was what I did. Exactly. We need we need a we need a speed guy. Okay, this guy's a speed guy, and he's an expert too. And he, he actually did know what the hell he was talking about, but it wasn't a lot more than what we know. And you know, when he studied it, he got better and stuff like that. But it wasn't uh, some groundbreaking thing where this guy's the expert of the world, Charlie Francis or something. So you got a lot of specialty people, and you know, you got people who are football only now which it always sounds good. The problem is that means that's your only sport. So there's never like a female athlete you're going to train. Um, and they're a blast to train. There's never going to be this kid on a squash team who never lifted a weight. And the first time he squats 135, it's like groundbreaking for him. You're never going to see that. And then, you know, most football coaches are jerks in my, in my experience, there's not all of them, of course, but about 65, 70%, their egos are off the charts. So you're going to be dealing, sitting in those offices, dealing with them all the time, especially if you lose. So the, the specialty coaches, that's that's something new too. And then you know, a lot, you know, not just football. I mean, there's at the big schools, you'll have somebody who has lacrosse and one other one other sport, or you have somebody who has soccer, you know, men and women's soccer, and that's it. Which is good for the kids in a sense, but you know, you can only lift for so long each day, and you're not going to lift each day usually, um, and you can only run them so much and. You know, you can do their analytics, I guess, if you were using the technology. And But what else are you going to do? You know, you're just sort of standing around acting busy, which you do a lot of anyway, um, as a strength coach, especially if you're coaching a football team, standing on the sidelines um, or waiting for practice to end so you can do a three-minute stretch. But uh, it's just influx. A lot. I would say the number one thing is, is uh, the criticism of the strength coach is brought on by people who have zero knowledge. And I always thought, you know, if I was the field hockey coach, for example, I would never come in the weight room and tell a strength coach what to do or, or anything like that. Just like I wouldn't go out onto the field hockey field or whatever you call it and tell them what to do. Because you know why? I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. That's not my expertise. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't expect to do that. You know, I would I would never do that. So... Anyway, uh, we'll take a little break, and then we'll be back. 